This is Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast that focuses on finding the Savior in the Old Testament, and then how we might teach it in family or ward settings. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is joining me to make sure that we stay on the rails. We are recording the podcast from the Student Lounge at the Pocatello Institute, so thanks for joining us for our lunchtime discussion of this week's Come Follow Me Scripture Block. Everything you know about Jeremiah in 30 seconds. Go. I don't know much about Jeremiah, sorry. <laughs> Everything you know about Jeremiah. The book or the prophet? The prophet. Um, he was called as a prophet at, what, very young, 17. Um, and he was, like many prophets in the Old Testament, slow of speech, and he was worried about being an adequate prophet. But the Lord said, I will be with thee. And he preached unto the people of the people that they were very wicked and they would drink their wickedness unto themselves. <laughs> Somebody just got out of Old Testament with Brother Black. <laughs> Everything you know about Jeremiah that Tanner didn't say. There are 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah, if that helps. Um, uh, let's see, he was born to a priestly family in Anathoth. And, <laughs> and there's a lot on him if you look in the Bible dictionary. Okay, everybody, just uh, once again, you know, uh, well, first of all, good luck on your midterms. We know that's going on this week, so best of luck with, uh, with everybody. How many of you have a bunch of tests? You can cheer loudly if you do it this week. How many of you don't have any tests? That's why you're going to cheer even louder right now. Yeah, wow. midterms week. There's a bunch of lazy people with no tests. Uh, I like that. Um, so be- best of luck with all your assignments and things. Um, Brother Ricks and I are going to be uh, here doing our podcast class, so um, we may come around again and uh, ask you a couple questions uh, at the end and listen if you'd like and keep working on what you're working on. That's okay, too. But uh, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah today. Finished up Isaiah. Okay. All right. Now that we've address those that are present. Hello to everybody out in YouTube and podcast land. Uh, welcome back to another another class, I guess, another discussion another on week. Uh, take a second for Come Follow Me. We're done with Isaiah, and we now get to spend a couple weeks in a Jeremiah. And two weeks? One week? Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks in Jeremiah. I think next week has got some lamentations in it. That's right. Uh, but I guess to start with, I, I'll, I'm, I just want to jump right in because... This is the great tie into the Book of Mormon. Yep. Uh, and so, rather than starting in Jeremiah, I want to start in First Nephi chapter one. And that, as you're flipping there, just this is uh, one of the keys to understanding the Old Testament better is is understanding the context, the flow of the time. Yep. And that's that's part of what makes Jeremiah a little bit easier to understand is because most people know the beginning of the Book of Mormon so well and Lehi and his family mm-hmm. leaving Jerusalem. like So they understand, okay, I, I know what's happening to Jeremiah. I know what the people are like here, and it makes it a little bit easier to, yeah. to get with. Well, and I think, to me, one of the greatest principles, I, for me personally, and uh, you know, when we study the scriptures, the things that jump out to us personally are the, usually the things that stick with us the longest. And uh, it's really difficult to understand the situation Jeremiah is in if you don't know that, Lehi's, uh, that Lehi and Jeremiah are contemporaries uh, and that they're preaching together. But I just, this the very beginning, uh, it came to pass, let's see, verse 4. came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. Uh, so time-wise, if we go back 
you get King Josiah, who we've, we talked about Hezekiah a few weeks ago with Isaiah. Hezekiah and Josiah, my two favorite kings Both in all good. of the Old yep. Testament. Like, two of the few great kings of Judah. Of, of Judah. And uh, Josiah has died in battle. Mm -hmm. uh, 606 or something? I think it's earlier than that. Is it? Okay. I think it's 630-ish or 620-ish. Okay. Um, and then his son takes over, and I forget what his son's name is, but he's kind of a crummy king. He returns mm -hmm. back to these these false pre, pre, these false gods. You know, Josiah finds the scriptures, stands up, reads them, and then as the king, with, because he can as a king, he recommits himself and all of the people to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then when his son becomes the king, he turns him back to this wicked, evil uh, practice of worshiping false gods and, and sacrificing their children and, and just these really awful things. That's going to come up when Jeremiah refers to Judah as you're a bunch of backsliders. Mm -hmm. Josiah had you on the right track and you just slid back <laughs> exactly to where yeah. you were before Josiah made those commitments. So yeah. uh, Josiah's brother's the king. Babylon lays siege to Jerusalem and, and almost immediately... Josiah's son dies, and now his young son becomes the king. Babylon wins the siege, and they take, and again, I'm not super great with names, they take Josiah's grandson, they take him back to Babylon as a captive, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, makes Zedekiah a puppet king. He puts him in place and says, all right, you get to be the king, and the idea is, I've made you the king, therefore... You're going you do to what be, I say. Yeah, you're going to do what I say. And Zedekiah is the brother of the former king, so he's another one of Zo Josiah's sons. Mm -hmm. um, or, yeah, grandsons. Grandsons. Um, so that's that's kind of the backup to this. And you get, uh, then, you know, when we get to the Book of Mormon, you, you spend some time with Lehi and how Lehi's prophetic call comes. And then a lot of the same messages that Lehi is going to share in chapter 1 of 1 Nephi that's going to cause the people to hate him and despise him. Um, that's the message of the Lord. So it says in verse 19 of 1 Nephi 1, it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them, for he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. And he testified of the things which he saw and heard, and also the things which he read in the book, uh, manifested plainly of the coming of the Messiah and also the redemption of the world. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him. And that is Jeremiah's story. You know, it, it, the same message through uh, Jeremiah, through Lehi. Who's the other? Is it, Hez, is it Habakkuk that's also a contemporary with them? I think so. I think it's Habakkuk that's, that's a contemporary with them. And, that, and, and all of them are going to have the same, essentially the same message. You were here. The Lord says you were here. And, and now you're not. And yeah. you've backslid. You've slidden. You've You've slipped back into your old ways. Yeah. So, just, just one one more thought from the Book of Mormon. Um, the second time that the boys go back to Jerusalem, uh, they've gone back to get the plates already, and Nephi is mm -hmm. able to obtain the plates, and they go back to get Ishmael's family. Um, they're mad at him, and they're like, We're, "Let's go back." Um, after they have them, they've already left with the girls and Ishmael's family, and they're like, "Let's go back to Jerusalem. We're not. We, let's not go find mm -hmm. Dad." And and Nephi reminds his brothers of this. He's he's teaching them about the city. And he says, the spirit, this is chapter 7, verse 14. He says, for behold, the spirit of the Lord ceaseth soon to strive with them. So because of their backsliding, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more in depth, but they've lost the spirit 
it says they've rejected the prophets, plural, and Jeremiah have they cast into prison. And I've always loved that phrase that I, I don't know how, how well Lehi and, and his family knew Jerusalem, but there's at least some part of Nephi where he knows Jeremiah or he knows that he was a good man and a good prophet. And he says, look what they've done to good people. What do you think they're going to do to dad? It's almost like this protection moment again for his dad a and a protection for him that he's just like, they've sought to take away the life of my father in so much they've driven him out of the land. So if we had stayed, he would have ended up the same as Jeremiah. And, yep. and so that's kind of, and later on in Jeremiah, he is cast into prison. So you have, you know, the first part of First Nephi is laced through these first chapters of Jeremiah, Jeremiah what's happening. Yep. And that is, I, it's, as you jump back to Jeremiah, when when the Lord calls him in verse 1, I think maybe one of the, there's a few verses that when you hear them, whether you know they come from Jeremiah or not, you're familiar with them. And verse 5, right out of the right out of the shoot, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations. And then verse 6, after the Lord says that to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's response is, ah, I can't speak, I'm just a child. And I wrote in my scriptures some of the other um, arguments that other prophets have given mm -hmm. the Lord. Uh, Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Enoch, I am but a lad, and all the people they hate, hate me, me, for I am slow of speech. Moses just simply said, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> like, what have I? And he also mentions, I'm slow of speech, too. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and I just, it, I find it interesting in, in this context, Jeremiah's already, the Lord has already said, I know you. And so there's nothing that Jeremiah says in verse 6 that's a surprise to the Lord. <laughs> right. And I just, as, as I thought about how I would teach this, especially if I were in an institute class, one of the things I would talk about is, what are some of the excuses we give to the Lord that we can't, that we can't serve Him? That we can't fulfill a calling or an assignment or uh, with maybe it's a full-time missionary call or what what are the excuses we make because that's what this is more than anything else, especially for Jeremiah because Jeremiah already knows that the Lord knows him in fact Jeremiah I knew that you I, I knew that you couldn't speak before I even made you I knew you were gonna have that issue and and I think it would be interesting to have the young adults kind of have this conversation about what are the excuses I make to say to the Lord, I, I can't, I can't be available to you, not in that way and not in that place. Right. And to let them share some of those things, and then to go through the rest of verse, the rest of the first chapter, and focus specifically on the I am comments, the things the Lord's going to do, either the I am or the I will or the I haves. Yeah. Uh, and and, you know, I would just, if I were teaching the class, I would just turn them loose and say, Will you take? two minutes and quietly starting in verse eight start just underline mark all of the i am i haves i will statements what is the lord going to do for jeremiah this is I, and i think in today's world of focusing more and more hyper focusing sometimes on the faults of prophets on their mortal fragility uh we're 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 missing the point it's never about the mortality of the prophet it's always about the immortality and the perfection of the Lord who called them yeah and so as verse 8 I he starts by saying I am with thee to deliver thee verse 9 I have put my words in thy mouth 
These aren't Jeremiah's words. They're not President Nelson's words. These are the Lord's words. Uh, verse 10, I, I have set thee this day over nations and over kingdoms. Um, verse 12, I will hasten my word to perform it. Uh, th that should draw our attention to Doctrine and Covenants 1. Whether by mine own voice or the voice of my servant service, it's the same. Uh, verse 15, I will call all the families of the kings of the north. Uh, and so on and so forth. And I just, I love this. And Jeremiah knows he's not going to be very popular because the Lord says in verse 11, um, or sorry, not 11, where'd it go? Um, verse 10, I've called you to root out, pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. There's the model of the Lord. And I, we're currently building this house, and uh, and as I, we're trying to get the pasture planted, and we're trying to, you know, get a nice foundation for some pasture grass and one of the very first things I had to do was to go kill things I had to spray a pesticide and I had to kill the weeds and the things that had grown in the absence of constructive guidance these weeds grew up and I think sometimes when we remove ourselves from the presence of, from the guidance of the Lord and his prophets weeds pop up into our lives and so the first thing we do is we go pull those things out and, but the Lord never, ever pulls down without the intention of building and planting and growing. Putting something in its place. Yeah. I, I love that. Just building on your thought there in, in 17, um, he tells Jeremiah, he says, gird up your loins. I, I just buckle up your pants, tighten your yeah. belt a notch, like it's time to go. Uh, and then he says, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Uh, and then at the end of 19, it says that they're going to fight against thee, but they won't win because I'm with you. And just that idea then of if all of these things where Jeremiah is like, I, I'm a child, I'm not very good at this. And the Lord's like, I'm with you. I, I know you so well that I know I have to be with you. Uh, I, I asked uh, you know, another question to go along with all of these things is why does the Lord choose us yeah. to do things? Why does he choose people who feel like they're like Moses and Enoch and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Joseph Smith and a 22-year-old bishop and President Monson. Like, why does the Lord call people like that or people who are old or people who aren't good at this thing? And the Lord's like, it's because you don't have any other options. Mm -hmm. You only, yeah. And I'm not saying that the Lord is drawing from a small well. I'm saying that our options are limited. And the Lord's our like, well. you have to. Yep. Our you well have to rely on me. And I, I love this idea then that he says, Jeremiah, if you focus on them, you will lose. In 17, where he says, if, don't be dismayed at their faces, meaning don't worry about what they're going to do or what they're not going to do. Um, and and I, it just is a connection to, to Peter when he walks on the water with the Savior that when he's focused on the Savior, he, he's fine. As soon as he doesn't, he loses that concentration or that focus. He, he misses out on the power of the Lord being with him and, and not prevailing. So as your question was, what are, what are our excuses? I'd, I'd even just... After you've turned them loose, they're sharing some of those excuses, and then you're saying, okay, find these phrases in here that comfort you. I then even ask like that next question of, what are some times you feel like the Lord has done this for you? What are some times that the Lord has given you his words? What are the times where the Lord has told you, I'm with you, or you felt like he's with you, even though everything else didn't look like that? And I'd let them share a couple instances of times in life where they feel like it's them yeah. right there. So that, that would be one of those teaching ideas there from these from these chapters. Well, I, I, so I, I love, there's a quote from Elder Maxwell that I really, really like about human orbits. And it, it reminds me of, there's a leadership model that uh, Chad Wilkinson 
pointed out to me, and I, I can't remember what book it's from, uh, but the idea, it, the model or the analogy that's drawn is that a leader is the bus driver. And that that bus driver has specific seats on the bus that he needs to fill. And each seat has a different responsibility that it's going to fill in the, the organization. And so one of the, and the role of the bus driver is not to fill those seats, but the role of the bus driver is to know who goes in each seat. Mm-hmm. And as the perfect bus driver... You see that here. You see the Lord saying, I know exactly where to put you. When I was at UVU, I used to ask this question. And it, UVU kind of has this reputation of being BYU's little brother. Like, nobody ever wants to admit that they're going there. Uh, but if you don't get in there as a freshman, they would apply to UVU and then so they could transfer. transfer to the life. Yeah. And then it was amazing to watch, while I was there, this change in some of the, in a few of the university and some of the colleges of students who would go to BYU and then they would come back to UVU because their experience there was so awesome. But I would ask, I would ask my class, and I do it here at Idaho State. How many of you never intended on being a Bengal or a Wolverine? And without fail, it's at least 50%. You know, I, I don't know that you could do that at BYU. I think most kids are like, BYU is nope. where I was going, and that's where I've always been. But it's really interesting to go to some of these other schools and members of the church who are like, no, BYU or BYU Idaho, that's where I was going. And they find themselves wearing the orange and black of Idaho State or the green and white of UVU or wherever and they're like I never intended I never wanted to be here but then that's where God brought them and the quote from Elder Maxwell is um, this is and, it, and he has a couple of different quotes and he says it in a couple of different ways he this is he shared it this way in a women's conference he said recall the new star that announced the birth at Bethlehem it was in its precise orbit long before it so shone We are likewise placed in human orbits to illuminate. Divine correlation functions not only in the cosmos, but on this planet too. After all, the Book of Mormon plates were not buried in Belgium, only to have Joseph Smith born centuries later in distant Pompeii. And and I think for most of us, it's easy to see that in other people's lives. We see the Lord's hand. And I mentioned in our very first episode that I never wanted to go to Utah County. And I, and, and quick to point that out, and, and uh, one of my friends that listened to the podcast called me out, and I was like, hey, quit throwing us Utahns on the bus. <laughs> but in all honesty, when I look back now, there are things that I needed. You know, I grew up not super active in the church. I wasn't, I, I wasn't really founded in, in gospel doctrine. I didn't know the doctrine very well. I certainly didn't know the scriptures very well. And the next thing I know, I've, I, I get hired, and now I find myself in Utah County, and the door to go to BYU to get a master's in religious education. A lot of the guys that were in my group were there because they had something to contribute. I don't know that I contribute anything, but I, man, I drank at that well. Yeah. I needed that to get me caught up. And so, although I didn't want to go to Utah County, I needed to be there. And I think it's one of the beauties of the Lord saying, I know you, I know what you need. And therefore, I'm going to put you where you need to be and not where you want to be in a lot of situations. And, and how great is it that the Lord doesn't give the same thing to everybody else? Lehi is taken out of Jerusalem yeah. and Jeremiah stays in prison. And uh, um, Mike Wilcox once said, it was, I was at a, a meeting and he was, he was talking about, I think it's Acts uh, 6 or so, where um, James is beheaded by Herod and Peter is let go by the angel. And he, he posed the question, something along the lines of, how come sometimes we get the sword and how come sometimes we get the angel? Yep. And, and that's, 
how come sometimes we have to live in Utah and how come sometimes we get to live in Idaho. Yeah, we get to come back, <laughs> right? right? But but it's it's those instances where it, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. the, the Lord has a plan for you, and he always has. He, from the very beginning, I, I formed thee in the belly. I know, like, I have foreordained you to do great things. And that difference between foreordination and predestination is agency. Mm -hmm. That the Lord is allowing you to choose the plan that he has for you or not. Yeah. And, and the Israelites here, I love that part of the Lord's plan, how much he loves agency, is, Jeremiah, this is going to be really hard for you. It was hard for Lehi, too, by the way, to across the world, uh -huh. but at the same time, I love them and they can still use their agency. There, there may be a handful of people that are going to be able to tune in and to listen to that. So I, I love that idea. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but um, it, w w one of the things I would do if I was teaching like chapters two to nine, um, I'd like make a three column chart and I'd go look up all of the scriptures that mention backsliding. Mm -hmm. I'd say, what's the recurring sin? And you don't even have to read it because you're just looking for the word. Yep. Just and it, it's it. in 219, 3.6, 3.8, 3.11, 3.12, 3.14, 3.22. It says backsliding, backsliding, backsliding. And and I would just ask him, what does that make you think of? For me, it makes me think of like climbing a hill and sliding backwards or like a, a shale uh, shale thing. I, I love to, to dirt bike. And one of the worst feelings in the world is when you don't have enough momentum and you're out of gears and you're like just hammering back on the <laughs> throttle and the tire's just spinning and you're like, this is steep and I'm not going to get to the top. Yeah, I'm going the wrong And you direction. start sliding backwards because it's too steep. You're trying to balance the whole thing and you, you'll, you're going to dump the bike. So backsliding is like a, it's an unfun thing because on some of these hills that I've climbed, you have to go very like to the very bottom to get another shot at it. To get more, to and, get and that momentum. Yes, and so I, you could talk to him about backsliding, you talk about moonwalking, you could ask a couple of kids like, you know, with Try your family, yeah, like yep. go, go into the kitchen on the tile, go moonwalk or yep. something like. A little TikTok like, dance. Yeah, yep. yeah. So you could like just use that word um, and, and then just ask them like, what does that make you think of? And, and one of the things it says in chapter eight, um, verses five and six, it says, why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast the seat. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into battle. He says, everybody just did what they wanted. It's like not taking the reins on your horse and just saying, you go. Well, they're going to go back to the pasture. Mm -hmm. They usually are. are yeah. I mean, they're, they're driven by their bellies. They're like labs. And, and that idea of like you're slidden backwards perpetually, you're never you're never going forward. Um, and and I'd ask like how come? Why are we so prone to repeating the same thing? Why is it that we can't get it the first time? Um, I I brought a picture, um, and it's empty. And uh, here here's just another little teaching idea that I actually just tried with my class today. Um, I had them all, everybody who brought a uh, water bottle, this is kind of gross by the way, but it was, I thought it worked well. Everybody who brought this a water bottle. This is not COVID approved. <laughs> I, I can it's already, probably not. I can already see where this is going. Backwash. The CDC did not approve of this object lesson. Ba I'm back sliding is like what? What are you, what are you instantly thinking? Backwash. Backwash. It's disgusting. So I made like every single person who had a water bottle, I'm like, okay, drink, spit. So psh, 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 they're just spitting all this water and, and whatever energy drinks and all these kids had. And, it was, and while they're reading these other verses, so then I'd go through a couple of these chapters and I'd say, give me some examples of their backsliding. Jer the Lord identifies specific ones. 
Um, so after you've talked, why do you think we go back to it? I, you know, you read a few of these verses in, in 3, 9, it talks about whoredoms and about chastity. Um, in 4, verse 22, it says they're foolish. They have no understanding. They're wise to do evil. It means they're really good at doing bad things. That's not a compliment. That you're really That's good at that good thing. thing. Um, there's, there's some other things here in, in chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says that uh, they committed adultery and idolatry. They overpassed the deeds of the wicked. They see not, they hear not, they steal, they murder, commit adultery, they burn incense to Baal, they, they walk after other gods. Like, they have all of these problems. Um, and then I just say, okay, what are some other modern examples of this? Have them write all of these words on the board and, and uh, just say, why, why is it so dangerous? And then ask the kids, like, how many of you want this? This this picture filled with backwash. You want me to top off your water bottle? With so then the the cool oh. thing is there's a couple there's a couple water things that all relate to uh, in this in, in chapter eight verse fourteen. I got one volunteer. Hopefully I didn't ruin our friendship. Um, but I did this. He I had him sit up in front and I had the picture like kind of like maybe tipped halfway. And I in chapter eight verse fourteen it says why do you sit still? Assemble yourselves. And let us enter into the defense cities, and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God hath put us to silence, and given us water of gall to drink. And I said, all right, open up. And he's like, no, I'm not going to drink that. I said, how come? He said, it's disgusting. So then there's another one in chapter 14. Um, I think it's verse 16. Uh, about halfway down, it says, they, they shall have none to bury them. It's talking about the people who are doing wickedness. Then their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. I said, well, if you don't want to drink it, then can I pour your wickedness upon you? He's like, no. I said, so why do we backslide? We know it's so gross. We know it's so disgusting. Why is that? And, and just that idea of if we can start to figure out how come we're so prone to committing certain sins, things, things like breaking the law of chastity or the word of wisdom or not praying, or why is it that we do that? And, and for me, maybe one little final part of the just the water aspect of this is, is in chapter 2, Jeremiah identifies these two evils. He says, uh, in verse 13, he says, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I said, you know, if this, if this pitcher had a crack in it, it's worthless. And it's going to be poured out all over you right here. And I said, right down the hallway from our classroom, we have like, one of those ice cold church drinking fountains, you know, mm -hmm. that's like everybody loves. They like walk People upstairs to get yeah. the one. They go find the one. <laughs> the one coldest. good drinking yep. fountain. And, and I said, you know, you compare that to this ice cold drink that the Lord is willing to give you. Why would you choose this? And what the Lord's given you. And then just pointing out, that's what sin is like. Mm -hmm. Sin is like choosing backwash and backslide when the Lord is saying, I'm giving you fresh water. Why aren't why aren't you choosing this? Why wouldn't you and what are the benefits of that? So, kind of playing on some of those ideas with some of those the water things would be one of the teaching ideas. And I just I, so I look at verse eleven, and, and this is kind of to me Jeremiah and the Lord setting up, saying, I, almost comparing Israel and and this group that continually back perpetually backslides to these nations of you know that worship the pagan gods. And he says, hath a nation changed their gods, which are not gods? These other countries, these other countries aren't constantly switching their gods. They pick Baal and they stay with Baal, or they pick Ashtaroth or, you know, whoever the, that god is, and they they stay with them. And yet, you constantly leave me 
and I come find you, and then you leave again. And as I thought about the two, the two evils, this idea of you've hewn out, you know, you've forsaken the living waters, and you've picked these cisterns that can't even hold water. So not only are you rejecting the living waters, the fountain of the waters, the purest place for the waters, you've, you've decided you're going to go get your own water, and you don't even have anything to carry it with. And I was thinking about the experience that we'll study in John next year with the New Testament, in John 4 with the woman at the well. And the Savior, you know, the woman shows up and the Savior says, hey, can I have something to drink? And she's like, uh, why are you talking to me? And he says, well, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink. And she says, you don't have your picture. <laughs> you don't have a sister. Yeah. You don't have, and Jesus is, then says, uh, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. The point is, is we were never meant to have cisterns. The water is supposed to be in us. But when you forsake Jehovah and forsake the spring, now the only way to get water is to get these cisterns, and they're broken anyway. Which, And I love the way this story ends. Verse 28 is kind of the culminate. It's the opposite of what Jeremiah is talking about. This woman, this Samaritan, has been converted. And it says, and the woman then left her water pot. Another word for water pot would be a cistern. Mm -hmm. She's left her earthly, mortal attempt at, at providing her own water. And she's, now all of a sudden, I don't care if I'm slow of speech. I'm okay with what you have to offer. Yeah. And, then, and then Jeremiah's message, you know, we talked about Zedekiah and everything. Zedekiah is going to rule for 10 years. And then his his priests convince him to stop paying the Babylonian tri tribute. And Jeremiah's message to him is, no, keep paying it. You've got to keep paying it. And the Lord prepped him for the, the Lord says the reason why. Why why should why should Israel pay tribute to a wicked heathen country? And the answer, verse 19, thy own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. This is this is the hard side of the doctrine of agency, is that when we choose not to follow the Lord, often what we sometimes see as the Lord's punishments, it's not the Lord's punishments, it's Him allowing the consequences of our decisions to be our, our schoolmaster. And so you chose to follow Babylon. Back when Hezekiah went to Hezekiah, Assyrians show up, Hezekiah's like, what do I do? He goes to the prophet. When the Babylonians show up now, you already have it's only been a hundred years you already have essentially the playbook if you're if you're zedekiah and and the ruling group in jerusalem at the time but instead of following the playbook that won last time you 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 reject the lord's playbook you go on your own and you lose and now the lord says okay i'm gonna let your own i'm gonna pour this out on you and these consequences are going to be what teaches you. Yeah. That's why I'm not gonna. That's why I'm not gonna free you from this bondage. It's because it has to teach you a lesson. And I just want to bring up too, just along with that, you're talking about you're the cistern. You're the one who has the fountain inside of you. Well, we're the ones that are broken, that have the cracks. That the Lord is saying, like, I I can fix you. You have a crack. You're not holding these waters. You're not holding the goodness inside of you. 
And, and you just made me connect a couple of dots there, which I love, Brian. In, in 18, um, in the chapter, I mean, we might look at these verses more in depth, but it just says, Israel is, po- is as potter's clay in the hands of the Lord. But what were these cisterns all made out of? They're all they were clay. clay. They were clay mm-hmm. that had been baked, right? And uh, in verse, uh, verse 2, it says, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, meaning it, it didn't hold. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it looked like what I would do. <laughs> he messed up. <laughs> and, and he says, so he made it again until it was good. Those times in our lives that we feel like we are cracked or we're like, I'm not holding that inner water. The Lord says, go back to the potter. I'll remake you. I'll, I'll, I'll patch up your cracks here. That you can be the one who holds the fountain of living waters. That you can have Jesus Christ in you. I know that you feel like you're broken. And I know that you feel like you're cracked because you've backslid all of these years. And you're drinking backwash and you're just going the wrong direction in your life. But I'll hold you. I'll fix you because I'm in charge of this. The, the situation that Jeremiah is called to go in is just horrible. He has very little chance of success. Mm-hmm. And the Lord doesn't give up on him. But the Lord's still like... All right, I'm going to get people out of here, but I still want you because there's a chance that these people are going to be fixed, that they can be held, that, that I, can, I, I can clean them. That third column, I mean, we had what's the repeating sin, what are some of these things, and, and then just say, okay, how do you avoid backsliding or how do you fix backsliding from happening? And, and you can look at specific verses, but giving yourself back to the Lord so that he can give you that pure fountain, that's always the key. Okay. So you and I can't do a podcast without talking about 16. Like we can't do Jeremiah and not talk about chapter got to bring it up. we got to talk about hunters and fishers. But before uh, that, I think we get, so, at least me, I get so excited about fishing and hunting being in the scriptures that I, I forget about verse 14. Uh, Therefore, behold, the days shall come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children from the land of the north. To this day, and you see this in 1 Nephi chapter 4, Jews still look to that experience with Moses dividing the Red Sea as the moment. That's the pinnacle moment yes. that is the evidence of God is that they are God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. And you see that in First Nephi 4 when, when Nephi is trying to convince his brethren to go back. And, and they've failed twice and we can still go back. And he uses this, this experience with Moses in the Red Sea as if God can do that, he can do anything with us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just fascinating to me that Jeremiah is saying, as cool as that was, as impressive as that was, getting two million slaves through the Red Sea and conquering this, the world power at the time, the gathering is going to be, is going to so overshadow that minuscule Moses miracle mm-hmm. because of the things that are going to happen. And, and then he describes the gathering in verse 16. And I just, I want to know your insight. It says, I will send for fishers, and they will fish them, and I will send for hunters, and they shall hunt them. Why use both fishing and hunting as the analogy or as the the metaphor for the gathering of Israel? Um, First of all, we both love hunting and fishing. That's why this is the the ending part of our our, uh, today. Um, I, I think that there's common skills for both of them, that there are qualities that a fisherman has or that a hunter has that... If you have them, you will be better at both. Okay. One of the key ones is patience, of course. 
when, when you're hunting, when you're fishing, like you have to be patient. The people who like fishing, for example, most people who don't like fishing, it's because they don't catch fish, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there's, some, there's some patience that comes there. Uh, but I also visualize the yield that you get. When you go fishing generally, you get a lot. When you go hunting, you usually don't get a lot. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, in terms of quantity, it's like you know, you'll get a big deer, or like there's a lot more flesh that you're getting mm -hmm. from it. But I, I just, I think of the different places in the world that some missionaries, it's like you're casting nets and you're just bringing them in. That you're teaching lessons all of the time, that it, you're so busy and people are so excited. You, you listen to General Conference and you hear all of these temples that are being um, uh, announced for in Africa and you're like, that work must be exploding, just perpetually just going. And, and so I see that idea of like, you have just, just fishing, just casting out your line, whoever's there is there, and they're just, you're bringing them in. And uh, I think of like Dan Jones, one of the early missionaries of the church who went to England, and Dan Jones was like, I don't know how tall he was, 5'5 five, five or something like that, just a little guy. He'd sit on the box in like wherever in England and just start going, and people are like, who's that guy? Like, and everybody's yep. coming into him, and it's like, he's fishing. He's bringing them all in there. He knew the place to go. And then there's other, there's other places in the world and other preaching of the gospel that a lot of people spend their whole life trying to get one and they get one. Or they're able to share the gospel in just little, little times. And I feel like that's hunting sometimes. Yeah. That it required a lot of work and it's early in the morning till late at night and you, those are the best times to hunt or both ends of the day, which means you're also hunting the middle of the day mm -hmm. and you're just waiting for that one thing. Um, and so I, it doesn't matter what you're doing the Lord is the one who's causing you to have the increase, whether it's nets filled with fish or whether it's a couple of ducks or a nice buck. Mm -hmm. It's just the Lord saying, there you go. Yeah, and I, I am fascinated with, the, so I, the similarities between the two, patience and uh, the ability to fail and get up and go. I mean, I, my grandfather loved still to tell enjoy the story. It. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the part about both of those. My grandpa used to love to tell the story. Early on in my marriage, I went hunting several times, and after a couple of years of deer hunting and not, not coming back to anything, one of these days, one of those trips, I came back, and my wife said, I don't know why you like hunting. You're not very good at it. And, it's, and, and yet every year I love to go. I mean, I went three or four years mm -hmm. dry streak. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and still there are times I go fishing and come back and don't catch anything, but really love that effort or the work or the, the overall experience. Um, so I think there's, there's that, that similarity as well as it, it can't be just about the catch or just about the, the Harvest, success. Yeah. It's, I've got to love the actual effort that goes into it. But I think the differences also speak to like what you've touched on and that man, Fishing a lot of times is kind of a passive thing, you know, especially if I'm bait fishing, I throw it out there and I wait, even if I'm, you know, even if I'm using a spinner or a fly rod or something, you know, for the most part, it's not a real exertion or, you know, there's not a lot of activity going on mm -hmm. with fishing. On the other time, uh, on the other hand, hunting, when you're hunting out of every hill and out of every, the holes of the rocks, I mean, I, I know guys who they'll hike four or five miles before they even start hunting elk. Mm -hmm. And so there's, I think there's, there's also the, the, the similarities between fishing and hunting, but, but then there's a great insight that comes when you think about the contrast and the fact that the Lord refers to both. It's not just a fishing expedition and it's not just a hunting expedition. There are going to be some missions that, that are going to be more mission, you know, especially right now, so a lot of social media missionaries, missionaries sitting in their apartments and 
and having to do things through a computer. Uh, on the flip side of that, you know, when I went, it was tracting. We had tracting hours we had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and, I, and I love the fact that that's, that's the analogy the Lord used. Yeah. Hunting and fishing. We've got, uh, we've got some tags to fill. Yeah. And, and I, one of the things I've, I've often said as a, uh, as a fisherman and as, as a hunter is that you can control everything but the animals. Yep. You can do all the preparation and all the work and you did everything right. And, well, that and the weather. But those two things, you, <laughs> you really just can't control it. And, and that's okay. In, in terms of this, at the very beginning, we touched on that idea of the Lord's like, I gave you the words. Jeremiah doesn't have a ton of people listen to him. They're about to be put into bondage. Jerusalem's about to be destroyed. Like, things are not going yep. to go well. But Jeremiah's still ready to fish. And it doesn't matter if we always see all of the fish that we're catching or all of the, the animals that we're bringing back. The Lord's like, you're gathering for me. And it's, I'm going to take care of it. Well, I think at the very beginning, the Lord promises Jeremiah that he will prevail. And yet, you've mentioned, he gets thrown into jail. He's carried to Egypt as a slave. He come, and yet he... And they stone him to death. It would be very easy to look at Jeremiah's experience in Jerusalem and be like, that's not prevailing. And I think sometimes if we're hunting and fishing, as we participate in the gathering, if we're not having the experiences that we hoped we would, to assume that we're failing. Uh, but yet the Lord's... It's the Lord's work. And sometimes it's helpful just to say... I'm here and I'm doing it and the success is up to you. The, the, the harvest is up to you. Uh, it's his work and he'll hasten it. And it's just a, an incredible experience to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Great. All right. That's it. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you next week with the second half of Jeremiah. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that In this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and, and in our own life experiences as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights, but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more, that uh, maybe it might open up the scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second, and we will see you in our next episode.